0: Give me all you
1: oh, welcome back into the great Scott show on a Friday pro nola segments we're gonna get into some stuff with Gus Gango here, and it's not just New Orleans stuff. We're gonna talk college football, some some conference media days happening or coming up. Getting a little baseball talk, Pels talk as well. Nick Underhill, Saints Insider, will join me uh, later on in the eight o'clock hour, around eight thirty, eight forty ish. around eight thirty, you want to stay tuned for that, but. In the meantime, let's welcome him on on a Gimme All You Got Friday in the Pro Nolis segment. You can check him out in New Orleans on ESPN one hundred point three. He is host of the Sports Hangover from noon to three on weekdays. You can follow him on Twitter at GCAT underscore one seven. Mr. Gus Catingale. Good morning, Gus. Happy Friday. What's happening?
0: Um, can can like counting and waiting for cold fronts in October be a thing? Because that's kind of where I'm at. <laughs> I'm excited about Saints training camp next week, but
1: it is dude, it is hot. How are you uh, you know, um not gonna complain, man, and um I will be out next week. I got family coming to town that I only get to see once a year, so i'm I'm kind of excited you know i'm I'm kinda <laughs> I got a lot of stuff a lot of stuff to do when I get off the air um to prepare to be out for a little while but um you know, July is usually a month I, I I get to take some time off and I'm I'm excited to see my family and hang out and yeah I'm I'm doing good Gus I'm doing good brother. So let's dig into it. I want to you know I got yeah we'll talk a little Saints and Pills, but I want to I want to talk a little baseball with you for just a moment Gus. I mean I, I get calls and I was I was talking about some baseball in the first segment about teams that you know looking at this the, this stretch post All Star break that. You know, are the favorites? Some long shots, teams that are competitive, and I don't, I don't get a ton of emails. And, and I like my point is this: fifteen years ago, I got a lot more um, response with Major League Baseball chatter than I do now. It was never the, the the top topic, right, on this show. But you know, it just seems like it's it's in the last fifteen years, it's it's gotten less and less. I don't know if it's just because the way people interact with this now is usually digitally and it's a younger audience, but how much is major league baseball in general talked about on your show when it's not say the world series or some big story that has to do with a superstar contract or a trade or something like that.
0: About where the ratings were. Well, if it's seven, seven, but I wouldn't add the million to it. It would just be about 7%. I mean, it's, um, it's non-existent, Scott, if I had to honestly say it. Um, I mean, it's to mention it's a chatter, uh, the fact that a you know very good client of ours who hosts us every Thursday at Katie's, Scott Craig, is a huge Cardinal fan. And we're either doing it at Katie's or, as we did yesterday, at Francesca and Lakeview. And it's, um, it's an homage to the Redbirds. It's kind of sickening, actually. It's, you know, Cardinals jerseys and – photos of Bush Stadium, and it's, it's nauseating, so, um, you know, he is into it, and he watches every game, and then, you know, I, other than really, you know, that, I mean, we have Tim Grubb, former voice of the Zephyrs, who is now the voice of the Wind Surge in Wichita, and he comes on once a week, and, and that's, that's what we do, Scott. We kind of go over any local players from the state of Louisiana, they may come across Um, you know, in the minor league system, and then literally it's four or five hot stove topics, you know, just, hey, Otani and Judge, who's your MVP right now, I think is what I asked them this week. Uh, You know, are the Mariners a a story like, can they make the playoffs? Like, things of that nature that essentially I tried to kind of keep abreast of it, but, um, look, I've been pretty critical on our show about it being a baseball fan. You know I mean? I mean, I'm a cubby, you're a vet. And I grew up, and, and to me, when I grew up, it, it was a large part of my life and, and following it and watching it. But as I've said before in your show and I've said many times on online, I think the lack of connection with teams and players today is an issue. I think the lack of being able to see your teams without having to pay is an issue uh, at least again here in, in non-baseball markets I guess I would say in terms of when I grew up, you know, it wasn't Fox Sports Southwest, it was it was just Southwest, Sports Southwest, whatever it was. Yes. pbs had the Braves, WGN had my Cubs. So, I know when I grew up, they were I mean, Scott Kushner. Uh, that covers the area. You know, he's a huge Astros fan. They got a ton of Astro fans here because they grew up watching him. Right. They got a ton of Cub fans. Myself. There are Mike a lot of Astros and Braves Cougars.
1: fans here in Lafayette. A, a whole Cow. bunch. Yeah.
0: And you know, I, one of my best friends growing up was a Dale Murphy Atlanta Brave fan. Oh yeah. Because you'd watch Cubs at one o'clock, right? One twenty first pitch. One o'clock leadoff man. And at six thirty on TBS, the Braves played. So or the Astros, so you you literally watched baseball most of the day, and that was before, obviously, the NBA was here, or, you know, the package with TNT, because back then, Scott, think about it, the NBA nationally was really on on Saturdays, right? I mean, the NBA on on NBC, I mean, that, that was how I was I mean,
1: I watched them on TNT. I watched... Well, no, but that's what I was... Anytime I could get uh, NBA, I would watch. When I
0: was, like, eight or nine, it wasn't on TNT. I mean, it it, it wasn't because TNT didn't exist. And, like, when, you know, WGN with with the Bulls, with with Jordan was kind of like my window to the NBA and the national games, obviously, was on NBC. But, yeah, I mean, I remember before TNT existed, dude. I mean, I, I, I just... So, you know, remember, Scott, I'm almost fifty here. Yeah, <laughs> I I
1: mean I forget, I forget I forget um I'm, I'm the younger guy in this duo here. Yeah.
0: I I listen, ESPN I, remember, live, yeah. I think all that matters though. I think all of that matters. My kid has never sat down. He I, I'm looking in, in my car right now and is his Cubs baseball caps in here. So I do have a cup. you know, Cubs cap and he does wear it and he likes it. But I he's never sat down and watched the Cubs game with me.
1: Part of it yeah. is is yeah, like uh, the the amount. It, my thing is this: when we were young, there were well, there was this window into the world of sports on television. There weren't a hundred channels. There weren't all of these other things. It was kind of like, man, I, I can I can watch these games on here. This is this is different. And then as we got older, you know, there was more things available. There were more sports available, but. Think about the amount of things. I mean, you don't even need cable. My kid can watch pretty much anything in the world just by, you know, going through uh, uh, an Apple TV, you know, going through the apps. He's not. When we were young, man, you change a few channels, you find a game, it opens your eyes. Wow. I mean, heck, it, inside the NBA with the moderate shot was like such a big thing on Saturday mornings when I was young because it was. Man, now I'm getting all this access. The inside stuff, dude. Yeah, Remember yeah, that, that's, that's what I'm Remember talking the about. Inside? Yeah, the inside. <laughs> the, it, it, that's the I think I'm that's, about. that's why I met Hannah Storm, right? I mean, then she started out there doing that. Yeah, it, it was, but it was this. It was this window into the world and all these other teams that I would not get to see that often. You just kind of see the the glamour teams, and then of course football. I mean, that was a whole other thing. You, you turn on the TVC football, and but. I don't think it's just, like, access now. Like, I think that's part of an issue. But in terms of growing the game with the younger fans, if it's not passed on in a big way, and that's not to say that, you, you know, like you said, you introduce your kid to some stuff, some stuff he likes, some stuff he doesn't. It's just part of being a parent. But to get a young fan to latch on to a team or the game, like, it it's i think it's harder now than it was when we were younger cuz when we were younger you could do it without anyone necessarily pushing you in that direction just because we've only got a few channels here and man i want to see this team or you know starting lineup toys whatever it might be like you you were like oh this player's got this uniform on i like it oh i saw a movie it was de-. You, there's there's so much more in front of the younger generation now that a baseball game being on tv it's not like they're gonna go two channels down and it's the news. They're gonna go two channels down and oh, it's it's some tweener show. Oh, it's Disney, oh, it's reality TV, oh, it's Bluey, oh it's this, regardless of what your age is. I it's it's harder to grow the game. And I'm talking like really young fans than than it was back in the day. And you know, uh, football, basketball, they seem to be doing it better than Major League Baseball. And you know how big college baseball is around here. We talk about it a lot, but that's more of a regional thing from a national standpoint. I just think it's, it's, we, MLB get, gets, they're given a hard time for, well, you're not growing the game well. I just think there's a whole lot of obstacles that, you know, uh, weren't around back in the day that don't get talked enough about whenever we have these discussions.
2: Yeah, I, I hear you, and I also think though at the same time, um, it's you know it, it's about marketing your players and, and doing those things, you know. And I, I do think it's kind of um, I don't know how to say it. But I think it's like a, a darn if you do and darn if you don't, right? I mean, you look at um, trying to grow the game and you know make it as diverse as possible, and you have you know what you've seen with you know, like I said, I mean, Joe Atani is a guy that literally is um you know i mean doing stuff that you just hadn't seen um really in, in baseball and you know, he's doing a heck of a job and but whether it's the market out there in la probably doesn't help at the same time you had i mean you know i i just i don't buy like a lot of it it's the games and stuff like that because look at the lakers everybody knows Lakers players right i mean the lakers became showtime and all of that and they played late out there as well i just think it's a, it's the way whether it's the league market the players or the players themselves, and you know I do think to an extent there is a language barrier on there. You have a lot of Latin American players um and I just don't really see a lot of commercials or or things of that nature where you can kind of you know attach yourself to these players I mean it's like, hard it's hard I, I was making this point I was making this point yesterday on the show um, when I was looking at the story earlier this week of, you know, the possible places that Sean Payton may go to. And I was making a point that, look, he, his personality and his trait, you got to be a head coach at anything, at any level. You, you have to have a certain personality. You have to like the attention, be able to handle it and want it. And, you know, almost a, a good narcissist, you know, and that you, 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 there's a lot to deal with and stuff, but there's some those people can't exist without that, and I think that's one of the things that makes me think that he won't stay out long because he, he enjoys that. But it's not—it's not for everybody. Not everybody can handle that pressure. Not everybody can withstand all of that. But it's almost like a, a drug, you know. You're addicted to that sort of um, lifestyle and everything. which is why I think yeah, you'll, you'll see Sean next year and everything. But uh, I, I just think when you look at how you know all 32 NFL head coaches for the most part. You know, like I was making a point when it comes to Sean, when he was here, you knew his mannerisms. Like you can tell me right now, top five faces he made, top five comments he made at a press conference. Um, what's his outfit? What's his, I mean, and, and then I, I made the point, do you know any of that? with your local school board district, head of the school board, councilman, state representative, district representative, like, do you know any of that of actually things of importance? You probably don't, But an NFL, a head football coach, you probably know everything about it. That. And that's that's the thing. Like, there, there's a connection with the NFL, with a connection even with NBA. I mean, seriously, like, it's gotten close to how the way the NFL is where you know anything and everything about these NBA players in the offseason, regular season, um, what they do, what they wear, their social media aspect, but you just don't have that with baseball. I mean, I I don't know the answer um, as to how to help it. I I don't know. I I mean, to me, one of the closest players that is anything of what we're talking about right now is Aaron Judge, right? Guy's always smiling. He's a Yankee. Um. He's essentially kosher since they've had you know with Jeter, and you know he's approaching marriage. So I'm interested to see the second half of the season. To me, it's one of my biggest storylines. Like here, here's a guy that baseball should be marketing the heck out of. Him with agents, I mean, a guy should be on commercials and and everything. Like people should know who Aaron Judge is and, and talk about him a lot.
1: Gus Catton-Gill, our guest, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. We're going to take a timeout, come back. It's Give me all you got Friday. Saints rookies reported to camp. The veterans report next week. Got a number of things to hit on as we hit uh, the they call it the dog days of summer, man. With this heat, it is hot, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this on The Great Scott Show. It's ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. show on a give me all you got Friday Saints and Pelicans correspondent Gus Cattongale still with us so we didn't talk Saints or Pels in the first segment we talked a lot of baseball but Gus I want to talk Saints with you because I'm gonna be out next week training camp really gets underway next week I mean you've got rookies that are there now for their portion of camp but veterans report Tuesday they start practice in Wednesday and by the time you and I chat uh, two weeks from now you know they'll have a good bit of reps underneath them, but what is the number one training camp story in your mind for the 2022 New Orleans Saints?
0: So I think it can be the start of training camp story, my number one, and I also think it's one I can continue, although there's others that I think that as the camp goes and we get closer to the kickoff, maybe take more of note. What I mean by that is, like Alvin Kamara, when we find out if there's going to be a suspension, how long that suspension, that likely won't be until during camp or something of that nature. So that could become a storyline in terms of, well, who are the guys that are battling for that running back spot to help Mark Ingram out, things like that nature. So I do think some of these storylines may become more important or less important as camp goes on, like penning, um you know the defense mark marcus may his suspension how many games is it likely going to be with him uh, and things of that nature so things could actually have two players that are going to be in suspension those are absolute storylines but scott number one on my list i said it on the show is michael thomas michael thomas is my number one storyline going in and i think even going out
1: right he's starting on the pup list but you know, the reports are that he might not be there for that long.
0: Not that I don't think he's going to play, but it's his availability and what he can or cannot bring to this team. I think that it's a positive that you have a guy like Jarvis Landry in the lobby that you drafted that help the immediacy in need of his return. Like, I was just happy if he would have come back with the group that had last year was going to make them better, I thought. But let's be honest, a group like that, he's double-teamed, of course. He's getting the attention that you would expect for him to get, and I don't know if he's healthy to the point where he can sort of beat those double-teams just yet. It's going to take him a while to get back. That said, when you have a guy that I think is NFL-ready and Chris Olave, and they say that, and people that have followed him because of the route running, but you forget that he runs 4-3, so he'll be able to take the top off. And then you have a five-time Pro Bowl receiver in Jarvis Landry. I think it does take a bit of a pressure from not only the team but also Michael Thomas. I don't need Michael Thomas to be the record-breaking receiver that he was with this team right now, immediately, in August, September. Let him get to that point. I'm not going to be all doomed and gloom if a week Thursday um, he didn't practice. Or the Tuesday where Mickey Loomis and Dennis Allen are available, they say, well, he's not going to be cleared to start camp, but we hope to get there. I'm not worried about that. You know, show that if he's medically cleared, I'd be thrilled. Medically cleared meaning he can pass his physical and that – He's ready to play. Now it's up to the Saints as to how to bring him back. And I think you do do it with caution. And that's okay to do it with caution. I need him ready September 11th. And that's why it's my number one storyline. If he can play September 11th, that means you've checked off the following box. He's healthy enough to do so. He's going to be able to help that offense and now really add to that receiving core. Um, and he's, again, a security blanket type receiver, I think, for Jameis Winston. Now, mind you, Jameis has been throwing with Landry and Olave. He may have a, a quicker report with them than Michael Thomas. But if he can play in the season opener, man, I really like the Saints' chances of being a playoff. I already think they're going to win the division. You know that, Scott. But, look, let's be honest, and you'd agree with me on this. Camara's availability, Thomas's health, May's availability, all of that stuff. If this team doesn't have to sustain many games via suspension or can get a receiver like that for game one, that's going to be a big help in them winning 10-plus games. So, to me, it's key. If he can't play until end of September, end of October, I don't think it kills the Saints, but... It doesn't make them as strong as they can be, Scott, if he's ready to go. So my milestone of training camp for him is after the first preseason game, I don't care if the guy just is on the side. his first practice or so is against the Packers, they've got two practices against the Packers. I'm thrilled to death, and I'm penciling him in on September 11th via not having a setback because those two practices are against Jair Alexander, you know, solid defense, a team that's been in the NFC Championship game the last two years. They have added to their defense. There's no contact. There's no tackling. But you get good work in. And if he can participate in those two practices, and, and I mean, then I feel like I'll see him in the third preseason game for a series or so, and then I think the Saints are off and running on that offense.
1: Gus Kangiel, our guest, ESPN had the best ticket in sports. Here is – Here's mine, Gus, what I'm kind of anxious to see. And I don't know that this would really be on anyone else's list because I don't know that there's there's not a definitive way to define it. It's kind of a collection of, of things. But it's about one individual, and that's Dennis Allen. So look at it this way. The media outside of New Orleans and those that don't follow the Saints closely know Dennis Allen as pretty good defensive coordinator, a failure as a head coach. Now, I know it was during the Raiders when Al Davis was still around and the franchise was kind of messy at the time. I get all of that, but it doesn't change the fact that that's how he's kind of viewed. I I think the Saints media and the fan base and obviously ownership thinks that he's, you know, come a long way and he's changed a lot. But you and I talk about that betting line a lot and the fact that a year ago at this time, The same Super Bowl odds were 3,500, and right now they're plus, you know, they're 5,000. Now, neither are, you know, the greatest of odds. It's not like they were a favorite a year ago, and they're not a favorite now. But the fact that they were getting better odds to win it a year ago, and when you look at the roster and receiver and just a number of things, you're like, really? Like, after what you saw last year, you think they're going to be worse this year? Like, really? Right. But, again, it goes back to – Sean Payton versus Dennis Allen. I think that plays a lot here. A lot of people say, oh, it's Jameis. Oh, it's this. I, I think it's kind of a, we, the way pe- so many people on Jameis are like, well, we need to see more of it. We need to see consistent. We need to see it to believe it. I, I, I'm i kind of like that with Dennis Allen. I'm not going to go over the top because, you know, he coached great for one game and he did and they shut out Tampa and it was a lot of fun and there are plenty of memes from the game and it was all that. It was all that good stuff what is he doing running his first training camp since he was with the Raiders? How is it different than Sean Payton? How are the players responding? What is his comfort level? You know, training camp is where, you know, the, the media, and you know this, Gus, being in New Orleans, you guys get more access and more truth and honesty from the staff than you get at any other point in the whole calendar year. I mean, drafting free agency—forget about it. Smokescreens week to week. Well, they're you're getting a little, but they're protecting the game plan. You don't get a ton of action. Right. So, the, how is he as an open book? Because this is when we're going to get to see, I think, the most honest part and real part of Dennis Allen. And you know, right. what, what's what, what's the team doing? How is he responding? There's going to be some adversity in camp at some point. Hopefully, it's not any kind of serious injury. But there's it's it's never nothing ever all goes according to plan. So for me. It's Dennis Allen, and I know that's not going to be the number one storyline for people heading into training camp outside of myself because it's it's hard to define it. It's not a single thing. It's a collection of things about a single individual. But when you consider how most of the the NFL media and the NFL world views Dennis Allen and they're waiting right. to see him prove something, I, I, I'll be honest, Gus, I'm kind of on that side of the fence. I need to see it before I can be like, all right, they made the right decision. It's clearly working. And I think training camp, while it's not going to answer that definitively, it's the first sort of, it's the first question on the exam that I need him to answer for me anyway.
0: That doesn't surprise me from you. Um,
1: Why? I had to calm you down all off. I didn't even say it was going to be bad. Calm
0: down. No, it's not, it's not surprising for you. I, I did it. You are a Debbie Downer, a doubting Thomas. You know, you want to go back. You're, you're my, you're, you're, you're the Stop analogy it. I used. Stop it. Um, when I was on ESPN National, and the first question was James about the interceptions, and I said, you know, I make ten years next week. This was last Friday I was on, and I said two days ago because I was on, um, you know, that Friday. I said my wife on Tuesday of this week brought up something I did seven years ago in reference to something she did yesterday when she left the fridge open in the shed and you know, it froze over. So everything got hot and melted. (laughs) And I was like, you know, you need to be more careful. And she (laughs) snapped her head back. Be careful. I mean, you, you do need need
1: to be more careful. Whoa!
0: Yeah, no, she was. Yeah. (laughs) And she looks at me and goes, well, you know, it's not anything you haven't done. I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm like, I've never left the fridge open. I'm, like, I'm the one that's always going up behind you, closing the fridge, closing the cabinet drawer, picking up your cups. And I guess all I did was add to the, the rage. And, um, and she looks at me and goes, uh, I remember it was September, seven years ago, when you did that and the pork roast I had just bought from Sam's then got spoiled. And I'm yeah. like... What are you talking about? I'm like that's that's not accurate. And she just kept providing facts. No, you came home from a two lane game, and I'm like, yeah, I'm like that does sound like I probably went and got a beer before I walked the dog after a two lane afternoon. For, you did okay? It. Fine, I did it. You did it. You did it. <laughs> the point. You did it. Sorry, Sean. I did. I did it. I guess I did. Um, I I I was I I was paying for something I did seven years ago. Uh huh. And What I told the ESPN national show was, I understand, and he did. He did throw 30 interceptions. He also threw 33 touchdowns. He also became one of now nine passers to have ever thrown for 5,000 yards, as in the entire NFL history. Nine. It's only nine people that have thrown 5,000 yards in the season he did like you and I've always discussed and it's going to add to the answer of why you need to relax with Dennis Allen. Although I understand where you're coming. From. I'm not like, freaking out. I just don't want to no, see no, it. No, no, you basically just said want to see it coach.
1: You I'll ask my number one storyline going into training camp is turned know, into he's, metaphors he's of, in of, in of your building, wife getting on you for, God, are,
0: are we worried he knows how to get to the dome? I mean, come on.
1: <laughs> I, I mean, no, no, not that. You're taking it to the extreme. <laughs>
0: the reason I'm saying that though is because the number one storyline or I think scene that I got, because I did, Scott, I did I did I did for you something. Oh. On the first OTA. Okay. I talked to the media relations people. I talked to the equipment guys I've known. I talked to the interns. I talked to you know the Ro- Romig, who's been there, I think, since the Saints started. I mean, <laughs> you know, Jay, he's been there forever. Um, and I asked, how different is it? So I have asked about twenty people, all right, in the neighborhood. What's the difference? What's it like? What do you see? What do you hear? What? What is it? And the the main thing that I got out of it is. It's business as usual, and it's just more laid back. It's just more relaxed. Uh Uh-oh. And what was brought to my attention is that, you know, Sean let Dennis do what, you know, I mean, he's like, they had their meetings and stuff, but Dennis was in charge of that defense. So another caveat, I guess, that I would give you is the man has helped build a very good defense, arguably changed it, to the face of the franchise or what they're known for right now, their defense. They probably won their games last year because of their defense. On that defense, you have an an unbelievable cornucopia of personalities. you got C.D. Deuce, who's C.D. Deuce. Marshawn Lattimore, who you had to eventually get to the point where he was last year, which is why I said he had the best season of his Saints career, become more of an all-around player, get amped up not just when you face Mike Evans, but – every receiver. Um, you got a guy in Demario Davis that I am crossing the street when I see him walk over because he's going to hurt me just by staring at me. But, you know, it, he's a, such a larger-than-life personality, but he's incredible in the community, incredible in the locker room, took over Breeze's, I, I think, leadership style to do that. But that, that, that's, a, that's a personality. How do you manage that? Um, Cam Jordan is a superstar and a media mold. I mean, like, that's a personality. I have to somehow get something out of Davenport, who he he has a personality issue where, you know, he, he has some things to worry about and things. So that, that's a, that's a lot of different people. You got Malcolm Jenkins, activist, personality, leader. Uh, Marcus Williams, can I you know get him ready to all of that, and he's molded it and gelled them to play together and knows how to speak to them, which is something that you just said when you doubted him. And that's why I'm giving you this tidbit. I specifically played bites during the three OTAs and mini camp sessions of player after player after player, Jarvis Landry, Winston, Tyron Matthew, um Chris Olave, somebody you know doesn't know anybody, specifically saying they were impressed with how Dennis Allen spoke to them. They were impressed by Dennis Allen's communication, um, Jameis Winston. Look, Dennis, getting to learn the offense or being a part of it, he, he has that voice. He has that. So some of the things that I think naturally would be concerning, and they would be, I would counter with I have seen and heard, while albeit a smaller scale, a guy that, again, I jokingly say, can he find this way to the dome or get lost in the building because he's been there. I think this is different, Scott, if he's the head coach of the Panthers, the Falcons, the Dolphins, I think it would be a storyline. Dennis Allen's second shot at coaching and go well in Oakland, let's not mind the talent he had, the ownership he had, and you know, the roster but regardless, we're going to judge him on wins and losses. That's fine. But this is different. This is, this is I would almost dare say it's Tomlin and Cowher-like from this aspect. Mike Tomlin didn't show up to be the head coach of the Steelers, and they were garbage. He had leaders built on the team already. Dennis Allen has leaders built on the team already. You're not looking to build a philosophy, establish a culture, weed out bad characters in the lot – None of what normal first time or second time or new head coach would have to go through. Dennis Allen has to do. Dennis Allen has to show up, game plan with his coaches, who by the way, almost all were with the team last year. Maybe they're in new roles, but it's not like he doesn't know them. No one needs to wear a name tag, Scott. he He knows who they are. So, You literally just go about your business, and and that was what I found myself saying pretty much every Thursday afternoon after OTA, and in the two practices of minicamp that I attended, I'm telling you, it was the theme that I said on Friday. It felt like, it smelled like, it sounded like normal Saints practice. You have a young team that has playoff experience with its players, you have a Handful of half dozen leaders, offense and defense, who have coaches that have established relationships with those players. Literally, Dennis Allen needs to be a CEO. What time's the plane? What time what's our game plan? What do the rest of my coaches think? And then call call defense on his game. And you know, Doug Marone, I think, can help with uh, with Carmichael, but even Jameis Winston said, look, Pete knows he knows this offense. He, he helped create it. So I'm not nearly as concerned, which is why I wouldn't even put it in my top 10 on whether or not I can run a training camp. I don't have the slightest worry about that at all because I've seen five practices and it absolutely looks like that. And to finally add to something that you also were concerned with is how honest he or how open is he? We've already seen it. Sean Payne would have never, given us any information on Marcus Davenport, Peyton Turner, Marcus, uh, I mean, Michael Thomas, anybody. He would have said simply, you know I don't do it. I don't give you any injury info until I have to when the season starts. Dennis Allen told everybody everything about players that were hurt. So he's already, again, maybe to that line of how the rest of the staff keeps saying he's, he's just a little more laid back a little more relaxed than Sean, who's very high strung and tense, and that wears on you. And I, I would say I heard the word welcoming. I, I heard a few people say that, that it was a welcome change uh, in approach. But, again, I think it's because you can do it, Scott, because you have so many leaders and familiar faces still on that roster. This isn't a roster overhaul, a coaching staff overhaul, a culture build, a change of – this is not that case. He can be a CEO. He's got everything else kind of built in place already, which is why I'm telling you, go get some cracklings, relax, and and I I think you're you're, you're just going to be just fine.
1: Gus uh host of the Sports Hangover in New Orleans, and marketing director of, uh, Dennis Allen LLC. I, I'm uh, just,
0: I'm just saying,
1: you know, <laughs> I'm just saying, you, you know, the right metaphor isn't, you know, your wife giving you grief from, from uh, something you did seven years ago, dude, I
2: paid, it's, I paid, I paid, I paid the right
0: metaphor I, is like, I, if, uh, if surprise, uh, she didn't snap a trap muscle, snapping her neck back towards me and giving me the yeah, hair. I don't know. Well, you know, seven years ago you did it. I'm like, what?
1: You don't want them you don't yeah, there's certain things you just gotta leave well enough alone. But Dude, I had no idea. I had no idea. Uh, um, uh, it's it's like if a um you know uh, high ranking per you know uh, teacher or or third in command at a school suddenly becomes principal, right? And all the mm-hmm. teachers and everyone on staff in the summertime is like, Yeah, it's good, a little more relaxed, not not as much of a you know whatever word you want to insert there um and and that's all good and they've been there a while so there's familiarity and everyone seems to like them and you know w- but when school starts you know you that's when you start to get a little bit more all i all yeah. i said was i would just, i just want to see more i didn't didn't
0: say that. No, he's, I mean, dude, he's you basically to told
2: me he wasn't going to be able to you run just, practice. I mean, just, that's like,
0: not what he said at all. I mean, all right, I all right, was waiting all right. for you to tell me. Not I need to see he not can, you all know,
1: all know, blow a whistle. I mean, just <laughs> stop it. Just stop <laughs> it. all right. Look, I'll, I'll well, close. How do you, Chris? Does he know how to use Microsoft Word? To I make wanna, it? I wanna close with this. Gus gaggiel has been our guest. segment. We'll talk a little more Saints football at the end of the show. Nick Underhill set to join me. Bottom of next hour. So, um. Something I'm going to hit on next hour, and and I'll have open phone lines with our listeners. Kyler Murray, that contract, Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, I I, if if you're a arguably a top twelve quarterback, I mean, two hundred and thirty and a half million, a hundred and sixty million guaranteed, second highest annual salary in the league among quarterbacks, and he ain't bad, Gus but he ain't that good, but it doesn't matter because if, if, if you can just, if your team thinks you're even in the top 12 or 13, they're going to pay you out the wazoo because of the importance of that position. And good for him for getting paid. But I'm still just like, I, I don't, you know, I, uh, I don't, I don't, I, I think that at some point Arizona's going to have buyers regret. That's how I feel about Kyler Murray.
2: Well, I will say this: he has a lot to to uh, to live up to, and you know now now it's all on him. And again, I you just kind of wonder about somebody's personality on how he can handle things when you have to go wipe away your social media on Instagram because you're angry. I, I just
0: that's well, a different kind man. already. I mean, I'm not, look, I'm be honest with you. I mean, would you date a girl that does that? Well, I mean, I don't date. I'm, I'm in my 40s, <laughs> I don't, I don't and I'm know. Married. I, I, if, you know, if, if I leave the fridge open and my wife erases me from Facebook, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be with cons- <laughs> you that What's night, Scott. Hey, you 14, guys have problems. Dude, I, I saw she uh, acted she, like I don't exist. She didn't and it it didn't matter anymore. You know
1: what I'm saying? <laughs> that would be interesting if that's how spouses do it in the future. Oh, my <laughs> but, God. My wife's not One of the, the things Instagram. I brought
0: up when, when he signed that on, on Thursday, though, Scott, was I, I moved it to this question. What would Jameis
2: have to do this year to earn an extension? I mean, like, like if that one he takes the Saints to the playoffs,
0: like that one. I'm not, saying, I'm not. I'm not saying Kyler extension. Okay. I'm, I'm just saying like a three to five year extension. You know, to because that isn't that the question this year for him. Is he a franchise quarterback? Isn't that the question for him? Is he the guy that the Saints can depend on in the next three to five years? Like, isn't that what we're trying to figure out this year? And Then. I wonder how we're going to judge that because they should have a good defense. He has a much better receiving core. He has some dude named Alvin Kamara. who's a top 10 back in the NFL. So then I also wonder if we're going to get this. Well, he should have won those games because it was the defense that
1: won it. Or It, it, oh, I re- could yeah. it, it depends on how it's done. Well,
0: I can hand yeah. it off to Alvin Kamara. So I'm interested to see what actually he has to do to earn an extension or for us to say he's the franchise quarterback.
1: I would say it's going to depend on how he plays versus the record. But then again, you said, look, if the defense is great and everything else is in place, look at the deal Ryan Tannehill signed last year. I mean, look at that contract. So you can can look at guys that might rely on other strengths of a team that get it done when they have to. And I don't know. I I think it's – it's a great question, but we're out of time, and I can't answer it right now. But oh, let's re let's Jake.
2: revisit. Yeah, that works like that. Let's now. revisit. No, I hear it. you. I, hear I you. Look,
1: I, I, I hear you getting home. I don't want you to get in, in trouble with the wife. You know, I want to make sure the <laughs> fridge is closed. Tell her I said hi. Happy anniversary, by the way. And uh, <laughs> happy make sure you,
0: happy
2: anniversary to you too as well. Thank
1: you. Make sure you close that refrigerator. Okay.
2: I I I do now. Believe me, I I make sure I hit it, and I actually go back and do the. The light pool, you
1: know. <laughs> I just, I can't imagine if you just have, if you happen to do it any time in the next like month by accident, I'm gonna laugh my, you, I'm laugh my rear end off. Oh my god! I almost want to drive to New Orleans, sneak in your house, like pull a prank, open it, leave, and then just, you know, I j- just, just, just so I can hear right. about the
2: fallout. I hear you. All right, bud. Talk, All right, talk man. Again,
1: That is Gus Cagney. We'll have open phone lines coming up in the next hour. Kyler Murray, more details on that deal. Nick Underhill coming up at 830. It's CSPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. (laughs)